0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Please follow along and have your eyes on Scripture. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, and even Christ has been raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits. Then it has coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Verse 29, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. And I say this to your shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: All right, Popper Bluff, we're here. This is how you do church. Can we make some noise today? And we're gathered here today to ask the question, what if? What if it's true? Millions of people gather today to celebrate and to talk about the most controversial man who ever lived. And I'm not talking about our current president. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, man. Millions of people will gather and they will answer this question. What if the resurrection is true? And maybe you're a non-Christian, maybe you are a Christian, I don't know who you are, where you've come from, or what your last name is. But here's one thing you cannot deny. This person, Jesus Christ, more songs have been written about him. More paintings have been painted of him. More statues have been dedicated to him. And more books have been written about him. Our calendar even revolves around B.C. before Christ A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So whoever you are, wherever you've come from, we have to reconcile with this idea that who is Jesus Christ? And what if the resurrection is true? And so today you cannot leave this place without answering that question. So the jelly on the bottom shelf coming right out of the gate is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from you. You cannot be passive about this. Everything revolves around this question because let's just get real. If a guy rose from the dead, then some weird things can happen, right? And if this guy predicted his death and his resurrection, I'm trying to be on that guy's team. So today we have to walk out of here today with a decision that the resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from us. And I know what some of you are saying, man, somebody lied to get me here today and said we were going to eat breakfast and they said they had to stop by the Colosseum real quick, right? right? And I know what some of you are saying, yeah, 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 it's Easter, I came, I come, this is my Mother's Day gift for my mom, so I just come here on Easter Sunday to take pictures with her and stuff like that, but I'm not really down with the Jesus thing. And I talked to a guy this week, he said, yeah, man, I don't know about Jesus and I don't know about church, but I'm I'm spiritual. I was like, you burn incense in your room too or what? Like, well, I don't even know what that means, bro, right? But here's the reality, you cannot delay a response on Jesus Christ. Because delaying a response is to deny a response. This question is set before you today. What if the resurrection is true? What if a man rose from the grave? What if God has invaded time, space, and history? What if the God of the Bible, who spoke the cosmos into existence and who created the Milky Way by just saying a word, is actually involved in your life? And what if he actually has a plan for it? And what if he actually wants to do something in your life? But it also begs another question What if it's not? What if it's not, right? Like I believe in God's sovereignty that Easter fell on April Fool's Day is like the greatest prank in all the world. You know what I mean? I was telling our staff, what if we didn't show up today and we got all the popper bluff to come and nothing happened? It'd be the most epic April Fool's joke that ever happened in all the world. But what if it's not true? What if Jesus is a liar? What if you've given your whole life to this and it's a waste but what if it is? The text that was read before you comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What's interesting about it is the guy that, that wrote this. He's, he's known as the Apostle Paul, but before Paul, he was Saul, and then he met Jesus, and Jesus was like, you're not Paul, you're not Saul, you're going to be Paul. And people were like, Saul, no, Paul. And it's like it's, it's really confusing. It's an acts, You can read that later on. But what I love about this, and one of the arguments of the resurrection that it's true, that it's historical, and that it's a fact is the idea that this passage was written by a man who hated Jesus. He didn't only hate Jesus, he hated Christians. And he hated Christians so much that he went around kicking in doors and dragging them to literally their execution. It would be as provocative to say as if Osama bin Laden himself became a follower of Jesus Christ. That's who Saul, the apostle Paul, is. And he makes the claim in verse 8 of this passage, like, how crazy is it? Imagine Facebook back in the day, in the Bible day, right? I mean, literally what Paul is doing is he's tagging people on Facebook, in the first couple of verses, he says, listen, the resurrection's true. I came and I preached this. And then if, if, if you have any questions about this, you can all go, you can go ask old boy down the road, right? You can go ask Cephas. He's probably there drinking coffee, hanging out. And then Jesus, after he rose, didn't only appear to those people, but he also appeared to 500 other individuals. Now you have to understand something about ancient literature. When you say someone's name, That's evidence. That means somebody can go ask that person, hey, is this true? But then in verse 8, the Apostle Paul drives the nail into the coffin. And he says, Jesus didn't just appear to all of those people, he didn't just appear to Cephas and 500 other people, but he came to me somebody who hated him, somebody who went around kicking in doors. And persecuting him, and his grace was shown to me. So listen, here's my argument today. The resurrection requires a response from you. You cannot leave here today without having a decision about that. Some of you have never made a decision about that. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Some of you are believers who love Jesus Christ, and today should strengthen your faith as we gather in this place and proclaim the good news. But here's what we're going to ask. We're going to ask two simple questions, okay? What if the resurrection's not true? What if it's not? And then we're going to ask, what if it is? And I hope you have your Bible in your lap with you because we want you to have God's word with you so you know that this bald-headed, tattooed preacher ain't making nothing up today, okay? So you can Google us. You can do all of that today. But here's the first question. What if the resurrection is not true? What if it's not true? Well, the first thing that the Apostle Paul says is that we're wasting our time. That literally today, you got up out of bed early, you bought those clothes, you did the Easter photos. Guess what? Waste, waste of time. Because he says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. The Apostle Paul says, if the resurrection ain't true, I'm out of a job, bro. You know what I mean? My preaching is empty, that it's in vain. And this is something for some of you maybe who are non-Christians that you need to understand. The reason why we as Christians get amped and geeked out about this day is because this is not a part of the Christian faith. The resurrection is the very heart of the Christian faith. That if there is no resurrection, then this is the waste of time. That if Jesus Christ is not who he said he was... If he did not rise from the grave, physically rise from the grave, then this is a waste of time. But secondly, he says this, it's not just a waste of time, but then we're all liars. He says that the resurrection, if it's not true, that we have been misrepresenting God. Like, did you ever get in trouble for lying growing up? Just raise your hand. Awesome. Those of you who aren't raising your hand are liars. Happy Easter. Glad you're here. Right? I'm like, and you would get in trouble with your parents and like they would catch you and they would ask you those questions like, hey, did you? And they already know the answer to. And if you're anything like me, you were going to go to the grave with that lie, bro, right? I'm going down. I'm going to burn the whole house down with me, man. But imagine God saying, uh, hey, that's actually not true what you're talking about. None of that's true. And in the reality, what Paul is saying is we're not just liars, but he also says we're the most to be pitied in the world, that we're literally fools on April Fool's Day. Do you know the history behind April Fool's Day? It's actually really, really interesting. A number of years ago in Europe, they switched their calendars. They went from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. And so the new year went from April 1st or from April 1st to January 1st. So people would literally be walking around on April 1st trying to celebrate the new year. And everyone was going, it's, it's not the new year. That happens on January 1st. And so they would play pranks on those people and all types of things, which is where brothers and sisters now r- love April Fool's Day, right? What the Apostle Paul is saying is people who walk around, Literally not living by a correct calendar, who are not even in real reality, that's what we're like if the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't true. That we're not only wasting our time, but we're liars. But the third thing is this, and this is heavy, man, we're doomed. It's not just the fact that we're wasting our time, it's not just the fact that we're liars. But it's the fact that we're doomed because in verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I know it's 2018 and I know we're all technologically advanced and the word sin is not really seeker sensitive and really happy. But we try to start out on a positive note here at West Side, So sins, happy Easter, right? But the Apostle Paul says that if this isn't true, man then we're doomed because listen you don't even have to be a christian to agree with me on this and i know it's going to drive you nuts if you're not a christian you got to agree with a preacher maybe you can just mumble it under your breath or something like that but listen something's wrong with the world something's wrong when my kids come home from school and they talk about a drill that they had that day and it wasn't an earthquake or tornado drill it was another kind of drill that if someone came in their school. I've done a lot of funerals in my day and I've stood beside a graveside and i put my arm around a dad and a mom who buried an infant baby. And listen, I don't care who you are and I don't care what philosophy you have and how technologically advanced you think the human race is, but in that moment, something is wrong. Because see, here's what you gotta understand. We as Christians believe that our God created everything and that it was good, that there's a rhythm in the book of Genesis, that he looks at everything and he says it's good, it's good, and it's good. And then he creates humanity and his image and his likeness. That's why you're not like your dog or your cat, unless you're the weird cat lady in here today, then there's no hope for you. Sorry, right? But we're created in the image and likeness of God. That's why you have an innate value in you as a human being. But what humanity chose in our first parents, Adam and Eve, was rather than worship God and rather than love God, we wanted to be our own God. And if you don't believe me, just spend time around a two or three-year-old little girl, right, or little boy. Because they believe the whole world revolves around them, right? And the reality is, is we as adults are no different, And we understand in that moment that sin entered into the cosmos and fractured everything. It's why what's wrong with the world. And listen, what's wrong with the world is not blaming other people and it's not this and it's not that. And I'm not trying to lower what you've been through in your life, but the reality is that there is something that lies in your heart and in my heart as well. And the Bible says that death entered in with that. So listen, I mean, we can send a car to Mars, man. We could cure cancer. We could do it all. But at the end of the day, everyone still dies. Like, here's a really positive Happy Easter thing everybody in the Colosseum today dies. Happy Easter, right? So, what are we to do? That's the whole point of the resurrection. That Jesus Christ, when he came, he came preaching a different message. And he said that the kingdom of God was going to advance in the here and the now, and that God was involved in his creation. And that Jesus said that he was literally going to make death work backwards. So, what's the significance of the resurrection? I mean, the cross is the payment. Jesus died so we didn't have to because you and I are born broken human beings. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, we as Christians believe that in that moment, he bore everything that was wrong with the world, that every sin, that every affliction, that everything was pressed on him. And then three days later, he rose. What's the significance? Maybe this will help. Um, My wife is a certified hoarder. We should probably be on one of those TV shows. You know what I mean? And one of the things that she loves to hoard is receipts. Receipts all the time. So we will have a receipt from years ago from a purchase. And you know what a receipt is, right? They give you when you buy something at a store, they give you a receipt so on your way out, you don't get tackled by the security, right? It's what? It's proof of the payment that what you've paid for. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a giant receipt stamped across history that says that sin and death has been paid for. So listen, if it's not true, then we're wasting our times. We just need to go home. If it's not true, then literally millions of people today, every church, every preacher, every Christian is a liar. And if it's not true, then we are doomed. And the Apostle Paul sums it up when he says at the end of the verse, For let us eat and let us drink, for we die. And there's nothing left. That's what if it's not true. But the reality is, is what if it is? Because listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from you. That's what you have against you that if it's not true... But what if it is? Oh, listen, please walk with me. What if it is? What if there is a God? What if there's a God who created everything? And what if there's a God who's not as bad as what you think he is? And what if there is a God who's involved in his creation? What now? What do we do now? Well, the first thing is this. If the resurrection is true, then let's just get politically correct. Jesus is God. I mean, there's no other if ands, or buts about it, man. I love what C.S. Lewis said, the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis said, here's what you gotta do with Jesus. He's either a just flat out liar. This guy is just a liar and it's not true. Or he is crazy and the butter slid off his biscuit and he needs some medication. Because nobody walks around just saying that stuff, right? Or he's really God. And here's what you can't do today. You cannot leave the Coliseum today and go, Oh, I love Mason Jesus. And every once in a while on Instagram and on Snapchat, I'll post Jeremiah 29 11. It mm, gives me the warm and fuzzies in my soul. I love it, right? And then when grandma comes over, I wear the sweatshirt that she knitted across. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Mm. Jesus doesn't give you the option. You either have to call Jesus a liar You either have to tell Jesus that he's crazy or you have to tell Jesus, man, this is it, you're God. Because let's get real, the resurrection's what changed everything for the apostles. I mean, these guys were a band of misfits. They were fishermen. I mean, these guys were Democrats, Republicans. They were everybody. They were rich, they were poor. And these guys took on the Roman empire, the most powerful empire in all of the world. How could they do that? How could they do that? It could only be if what Jesus said was true. And what did Jesus say about himself? There's a number of statements that Jesus said. The first statement that Jesus said is he predicted his own death and resurrection. Jesus was hanging around with a group of guys, and he said, you know what? In three days, I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm going to rise again. Like, imagine that guy at the party, right? You're going to move a little bit further away from that guy, you know? But he predicted his own death and resurrection. The second thing that he said was that he had come down from heaven. Jesus said, I have come from heaven to do the will of my Father. Now, either Jesus is Lord or him and David Koresh are really good friends, okay? Jesus said that he had come down from heaven. The third thing that he said was Jesus said that he always existed. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I've always existed. I've never had a beginning. And then Jesus said that he was equal with God in John chapter 10 verse 30. He said, I and I and the Father are one. Listen, Jesus is not like God. Jesus doesn't just look like God. Jesus isn't just a little bit God. Jesus is a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. He claimed to be that. So you can't say that Jesus never claimed to be God because he did. And then the last thing that he said, Jesus said that he was the only way to heaven in John 14, six. He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. And listen, I have to tell you today, there are no cosmic scales. Your good will not outweigh your bad in the end. Because the Bible says that we are so bad that we don't understand that our good is actually bad. And listen to me, this is what gets me so amped is to understand that 12 guys went around carrying the message that Jesus is God and they took on the Roman Empire. And then hundreds and hundreds of years later, we see the Christian population go from like 8,000 people to 100,000 people and it spreads all across Europe. And we see Constantine declare, Rome, that Christianity is the national religion of Rome that it literally overturned an empire because they said Jesus is God and from there it spreads all across and it goes into Europe and men like George Whitfield and John Wesley gave their life and they had one statement that Jesus Christ is God and it sparked the Protestant Reformation and they said from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is God and the late great Billy Graham who would fill stadiums just like this had one message and it was Jesus Christ is God. And listen to me, on April 1st, 2018, we declare in the Colosseum that Jesus Christ is God. That he's God. (laughs) So this requires a response from you. That if the resurrection is true, that it changes everything. Everything. That it makes Jesus God. It solidifies it. It's the receipt. But the second thing that it changes as well is that death is defeated. That death no longer has the final word. That the Apostle Paul says that death has now been defeated because Jesus rose from the grave. You see, this is the greatest enemy that you and I have in this place today. It is death that we are all living on borrowed time and the Rolling Stones were wrong, man. Time is not on your side, bro. The clock is ticking. So what's our hope? What's our hope beyond that? And here's the reason why. It's what I said earlier about death, that Adam and Eve, our first parents, understood that, that death entered in because they chose to go around God rather than worship God. And there was one man, a really old dead guy by the name of R.A. Torrey, who said that he saw literally that verse come true, that through one man, death entered. And through one man, the power of death was defeated. He was a rock climber. And he was on an expedition. and He was watching another team climb a really tall mountain. And they were all roped together. And so they had the strongest guy up front, which is probably where I would have been, but I'm not going to say that out loud, okay? So the strongest guy was up front, and they were all roped together as they were scaling the mountain. The last guy was walking up the mountain and lost his footing and began to fall. And when he began to fall, he started to pull each person in a domino effect. It wasn't the second or third guy's fault. It was the last guy's fault. But because he fell, it was a domino effect and everyone began to fall. And then the man on top watched what was happening. And R.A. Torrey said with his own eyes, he saw that man sling his pickaxe into the mountain. And he gripped it as hard as he could. And with a violent snap, the ropes started to tighten. R.A. Torrey said that he stood there as everyone started to try to scramble to get for help. As they got closer, they could see the man was turning blue from the ropes being tightened. That they could hear ribs beginning to snap. And this man with all of his might literally carried the four other men's fallenness and brokenness and climbed them up to the top of the mountain. And listen, I've come to declare to you today that Jesus Christ is the first man. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care if you're high right now or if you're prideful because you're not high. Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save you. And when your only hope is in Jesus Christ all of your eggs no pun intended on Easter all of your eggs are in that basket and I don't care what you've done or what your fallenness is or what you think God can't heal but listen to me if God can beat death then he can handle your sin in here today there's nothing that he doesn't already know and Jesus Christ like the first man took on the fallenness of all the other men And drug them to the top. If the resurrection is true, then Jesus is God. If the resurrection is true, then death is defeated. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of going to funerals. I'm tired of going to funerals. I'm tired of the heartache and the loss that plagues our world and plagues Butler County itself. But there will be a day as John said in Revelation 21 when he looked up and he said, I declare I saw the new heavens and the new earth coming down out of the first heaven and it came down and its king is Jesus Christ. There will be no more death. Oh yes, Christians die physically with our body. But Jesus said in John chapter 10, if anyone believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And I'm telling you today, if your hope is in Jesus Christ, death does not have the final answer over you. Jesus is God. Death has been defeated. But the last thing is this, we can now be fearless. Fearless. Did you read the verse about Paul fighting Ephesus and some sort of Lord of the Rings verse right there, right? He says, because of the resurrection, I now go to the Colosseum and I go and I fight beasts and lions. Here's one thing that we know about early Christians. And if you're a non-Christian, you have to reconcile with this today. These people were non-violent, the Christians, as the Roman Empire would come in and take them prisoner. And the Roman Empire would literally feed them to lions and to beasts in the Colosseum for sheer entertainment. And record tells us that the early Christians would bow their heads and pray while they were being eaten. The Apostle Paul says, I've been in those environments. I've seen those things happen and take place. And the only way that I could do that is to know that if I died in that moment, that I literally have nothing to fear anymore. The Apostle Paul says that we don't have to be fearless anymore. And listen, some of you have come into this place a lot like me. And your life has been riddled with anxiety and it's been riddled with fear and you've never had peace. That's why you can't go to bed sober. That's why you work five hours later than anyone else. That's why your kids never see you. That's why it's always another car. It's always another house. Let's move again and let's transition jobs and let's do this because listen, you have a problem sitting in a room with you. And no matter where you move and no matter where you go, And no matter the end of that bottle or the end of that pill bottle or the end of your nose when you look down on other people with pride, listen to me, you will never escape you and it riddles you with anxiety and fear. And the Apostle Paul says if the resurrection is true, we don't have to fear not only just persecution, but we don't even have to fear ourselves anymore that this brings us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Listen to me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from you. And in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. Some of you have never made that decision before. And listen, if you're sitting in your chair and you're going, oh yeah, my grandma grew up in church. Listen, I love your grandmeme, nanny, mama, papa. I love all of them. But just because they're Christians don't mean you are, Okay. And I don't care what your last name is. I know how Butler County works. The few and the proud get this and they get that. But listen, when you get to heaven, your last name does not matter. It is about a decision. And I'll stand before the throne in him complete. And the only words that my lips shall repeat is that Jesus died for my soul to save. That's all I've got. It's all about Jesus. So some of you have to make a decision. And let me sway you with this. If it's not true, what did you give up? I mean, if it's not true and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, so you didn't drink as much or cuss as much or lie as much. You helped a lady across the road with her groceries. You tried to live a good life and then you die. Big deal. But look at me. If it is true, and you haven't made the decision, then everything hinges on that. Everything hinges on that. I don't know if any of you are NCAA fans, but it's that time of year where March Madness is taking place. And this year has been profound among any of them with what they call bracket busters. And this year, one team, UMBC, the 16th ranked team, beat the number one team. It's the first time it's ever been done in college basketball history, ever. I mean, it went nuts when they beat them. And everybody walked around saying, oh man, oh man, if only I could have put some money on UMBC, right? We're not Baptists in here. It's okay to talk about gambling. It'll be all right, you know what I mean? If only I'd put some money on that, man. If only I'd have put some money. Well, Actually, one man and his friends did, Eric Barger. He's actually a UMBC alum. They placed $800 in favor of UMBC to beat the number one ranked team, Virginia. And they won. And they won big. And they paid out $16,800 for an $800 bet. Pretty incredible, right? Now imagine this. Imagine if they knew Imagine if they already knew the outcome. Imagine if they knew that UNBC would have won. What would they have put up? I would have put my kids up for that, man. I would have put everything. I would have put the house. I would have put the car. I would have put everything that I had because I knew in certainty of the fact that this team was coming forward. Now listen, I have to ask you a question. Are you willing to bet your life on the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's all or nothing today. Are you willing to bet your life on the hope and in faith the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Oh, you may have doubts. You still may have doubts, but that's okay. I'm asking you to bring those doubts to Jesus today. Would you bet your life on the resurrection? Because look at me, God did. And God placed his bet on you. On you and the addiction in your life and the thoughts in your mind and the pride in your heart and the brokenness. God put everything in heaven. Imagine the day. Oh God, imagine the day when the Spirit of God blew in that tomb and the tomb smelt like death. Until the Spirit of God blew life in. And some of your life smells like death. You are dead man walking today. And listen, I gotta tell you, because I love you, if you were to die today, all that faces you is judgment. But I've also come to declare that Jesus Christ has taken all the judgment, all the sin, and all the shame on the cross in your place. Listen, the gospel is this. The gospel is Jesus in my place. In the place of your pride and your addiction and your brokenness the resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from you in this place I'm going to pray in just a moment I'm going to give two calls the first call after I'm done praying is for those of you who have never made a decision, after I get through praying we're all going to stand and when people stand I want you to walk forward today in faith, grab the hand of a friend oh God I believe in faith that families are going to come to know the Lord today Parents, let this be the moment where your kid asks the question. Let those blue eyes look up to you and say, what about the resurrection, Dad? And then, Dad, guess what? You've got to reconcile that in your heart today. When I get through praying, I want you to come forward right here where these counselors will be. And all they want to do is speak with you. They want to lead you in this moment. They want to pray with you. We've got a Bible to give you. We want you to know that in this moment, you are not alone in this. Because you can't leave indifferent. You either accept him today or you reject him today. And then secondly, for the second group of people who are believers in this place, we are going to celebrate and respond with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We are going to take the elements and know that he is resurrected. I would ask that if you are a baptized follower of Jesus Christ, that you would come forward and partake in this today. If you are unsure, I want you to come and speak to a counselor. Because listen, today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ requires a response from you. I don't care if you're in the blue seats. I don't care where you are. When I get through praying, you've got one of two places you're going. You're going to pray with someone and make a decision about the resurrection today. Or you're going to celebrate through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Father God, we come before you. And Holy Spirit, have your way with us in this Colosseum today. God, I believe that you have worked this moment all through eternity. God, I believe before the foundations of the earth was laid, you knew who would come to you today. And Spirit, you are drawing those people now. We ask that they would come in faith. Comfort us who need comforting convict those who need convicting. But most of all, let us celebrate the good news that our God is not dead. He is alive. And today the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied and all of creation declares that Jesus Christ is God. And we pray this in the mighty name in the name that is alive, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand right where you're at. Those of you to come forward to make a decision, come talk to these counselors right now. Stand where you are. Come forward in this moment. Those of you to respond in communion, come forward to the people in the front. And then those of you that are the top will go through the stairs and partake in communion back
0: there.